bringing it all the way in. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have my lead and I didn't know. All right. Hey, folks, it's Phoenix Kalita. Welcome to the Swapcast. Uh, we are going to go over some Swapaganda and we are going to cover some sex worker rights and some stories. Um, I think this is going to be maybe a two segment show. I have two different stories to cover. Might break them up into two different uh, episodes. We'll see what the fuck happens. All right, so I wanted to start with uh, one article that is on the BensonNews-Sun.com. And this is, of course, as usual, as it tends to go, about uh, law enforcement officials raping sex workers, because we talk about that a lot. And that's why we play a trigger warning. But this is the reality of the thing. This is what is happening. So... Um, this article is from May, but this is about an investigation that happened in 2018, but this is sort of the update, right? Cause it can take a while, um, after police do one of these alleged trafficking arrests or trafficking busts to get all the details out. So this is one of those times. This is about a 2018 incident, uh, where they, a law enforcement allegedly rescued victims of sex trafficking. Right. Yeah. Um, But this is what actually happened that we're now finding out about in 2020. And let's see, this uh, originally happened in Lake Havasaw City in September 25th, 2018. Um, Here we go. And of course, they start with the uh, the hyperbolic, um, you know, just where like they think everything is like the Taken movie, you know, according to federal agents. The women were forced to live and work in filth and near darkness, surviving only on tips they received from performing massages and sexual favors. I like how as soon as you mention that this is about uh, massage parlors that you almost know it's going to be them fucking with Asian people. This is no exception. So Lon Wiegand, the deputy special agent in charge of the Homeland Security Investigations in Arizona, described them as, quote, Asian females. There it is who may be sex trafficking victims. He praised the joint operation between federal agents and local police in Western Arizona that led to their rescue and credited, quote, investigative techniques that helped crack a, quote, transnational criminal organization. Investigative techniques. Just keep that fucking phrasing in the back of your head for a minute. Uh, Wiegand 
assured those at a press conference called to announce this investigation's successful conclusion that HSI followed a victim-based approach. And while he wouldn't reveal anything more about the women, he added that, uh, oh no, no pop-ups, please. <laughs> he added that, know that the women are now safe and being cared for. So we're not gonna actually give you any details about them, but just fucking trust us that we're doing the right thing because law enforcement doesn't have a long ass history of not doing the right thing in these type of cases, right? So, but what Wiegand didn't say at that September 2018 press conference, although HSI documents show that some supervisors knew, supervisors knew, uh, was that federal undercover agents repeatedly paid for and engaged in sexual acts with the suspected victims as part of their investigation. That fact, coupled with HSI's refusal to let its agents testify at trial, torpedoed a case that was more than three years in the making. All felony charges against the accused ringleaders were dropped, and all the women were most likely re-traumatizing, sex trafficking experts said. I kind of resent the fact that they had to be like, sex trafficking experts said. No, really, if you thought someone was like locked in a basement being raped on a constant basis, and then you paid to rape them too... I don't know why you need an expert to tell you that's probably fucking re-traumatizing to the victim if that's what's going on. All right. Defense attorneys whose clients went free because of HSI's handling of the case were outraged to learn of the agent's, quote, investigative techniques, which means raping people. Hmm. Uh, that's our tax money, said attorney Josephine Hallam, whose grandfather was former U.S. Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black. Shouldn't they be at the border or doing something with terrorists rather than getting sex acts? Good question. Homeland Security Investigations, otherwise known as the HSI, is the largest investigative unit in the Department of Homeland Security, which was created in the wake of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. HSI's 7,000 agents have wide-ranging authority to investigate a variety of cross-border crimes, including sex and human trafficking. But for all its power and scope, HSI has done relatively little, uh, or has received relatively little public attention, even though their internal Inspector General reports uh, have criticized it for a lack of accountability and oversight. Really, a law enforcement organization created in a panic uh, and based on fear-mongering has no accountability and no oversight. You don't fucking say. All right. HSI agents have also been involved with numerous shootings of civilians around the country. An investigation by the Howard Center for Investigative Journalism revealed in February. Internal reviews and other data about the shootings have been denied under Federal Freedom of Information Act requests. Oh, so they just shooting niggas and not even. All right. So they're just murdering people and we don't even get to know about it. That's great. Uh, Yasmin Pitts O'Keefe, a spokeswoman with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, HSI's parent agency, said, quote, HSI is committed to placing safety of potential victims at the forefront of every investigation. And that's why y'all were paying to rape them. Mm -hmm. Conducted by a limited number of HSI agents involved in the investigation was not consistent with HSI policy. I wonder if that policy is posted anywhere. I highly doubt it. But HSI's own documents, statements by local police and federal government's response, uh, refute the idea that this was a rogue action. Brad Rideout, who represented two women charged in the investigation, said he believes the agent's behavior was not unprecedented. He said, quote, In my experience in law enforcement, these types of things do not just happen in one spot. Yeah, that's accurate, actually. Um... 
Police in Lake Havasaw City and Bullhead City, uh, the Mojave County cities across the Colorado River from California and Nevada were the focus of the sex traffic investigation, said they were told by HSI that its policy permitted undercover agents to engage in sex acts with suspects. It is illegal in Arizona, as in other states, for police to engage in sexual activity with subjects in an investigation. So local police can't do it, but federal law enforcement can. Good to know. A leaked online policy handbook confirmed by retired HSI uh, senior agent Louis Garcia describes how, with supervisor approval, undercover agents can engage, in, can engage in otherwise illegal behavior. Although Garcia and another former HSI official said agents were not allowed to have sexual contact with subjects of investigation, Garcia said he didn't recall that prohibition in writing. Hmm. And here's a quote from David Thomas, the head of sexual misconduct training for the International Association of Chiefs of Police. That is like a lot of name for a guy who gets paid a lot of money to not do a lot of anything. I guarantee it. Uh, But David Thomas says, quote, in absence of a written policy, a lot can be left to chance. That is such a polite way to say that cops and law enforcement officials are going to rape sex workers. Um, So this agency, the uh, International Association of Chiefs of Police, uh, for years has prodded law enforcement agencies to implement bans on officers having sex in the line of duty. Okay, well, it's a problem. Sex workers have been saying this, and I guess here's your, you know, since people don't trust sex workers, here's the Association of Chiefs of Police also saying it. Okay. Over nearly a five-month period, the HSI undercover agents documented in graphic detail 17 sexual encounters with women working in eight different massage parlors. Ultimately, two... Oh my fucking God. All right. You know, sometimes I do that when I'm reading a story, right? Like, you know it's going somewhere bad, but then, like, I read the rest of the story before the words come out of my mouth and I just have to pause because... All right. This is one of those moments. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's start that over. Uh, They described in documented detail 17 sexual encounters with women working in eight different massage parlors. Ultimately, two women were designated as victims, but their whereabouts are unknown. So they had time to rape them 17 times, but didn't have time to track where the fuck they are. That's good to know. Uh, Two other women were charged with prostitution and initially put in ICE detention, although only one still faces deportation hearings. Okay, so the two victims uh, who are designated uh, victims of sex trafficking are just lost. Nobody knows where the fuck they are. Two other women were charged and put in ICE detention. But keep in mind, this is what they call... Let me scroll back up to find it. Um, what the fuck did he say in his little fucking interview at the top? Um, they're safe in being cared for and we're using a victim-based approach safe and being cared for and we're using a victim-based approach the two of the the two people who were trafficked are missing and two of the people who were consensually doing sex work got put in ice detention yeah that seems legit of the nine suspects arrested three accepted early plea deals before news of hsi's agents actions became publicly known Records reveal HSI officials in Arizona, as well as local prosecutors and a judge, knew the details of the undercover tactics and allowed the investigation to go forward. So could you just imagine, like, the 
you know, I think it's, what do they call it, like, locker room talk or, like, that back room talk. So it's not only the um, officers who are raping these women and talking about it in their reports and talking about it with their, like, immediate colleagues. They also recounted in vivid detail to a judge and prosecutors all the times they showed up at these massage parlors to rape these women. So basically, everyone sat around laughing about them raping sex workers for months, almost 20 times over a course of five months. Mm-hmm. And as they said, some of these uh, women were actually victims of sex trafficking. And so basically a bunch of prosecutors and law enforcement officials spent five months laughing, sitting around talking about raping victims of sex trafficking. That's the world that we live in. Um, so anyways, despite knowing all this for some reason, uh, the prosecutors and judge let the investigation go forward. Local HSI's supervisory agents signed at least eight internal reports that documented sex acts during the undercover visits. Right, so keep how, see how this keep at, uh, keeps adding more and more people who are listening to these rape stories. This is how they do their locker room talk. Um, so eight internal reports documented sex acts during undercover visits. Uh, HSI unit chiefs in Washington, D.C. typically receive daily briefings to monitor undercover activity, Garcia said. At least one Mojave County judge approved a search warrant whose probable cause affidavit listed the agent's undercover sexual activity. So that's now a second judge. And a prosecutor aware of the agent's methods took the case to a grand jury. So that's now an additional prosecutor who then got to tell a jury how much fun it is when law enforcement officials rape sex workers and traffic victims. None of the under, uh, undercover agents were disciplined. Of course not. All they did was rape sex workers. Psh, why would anybody care about that? And only a low-level supervisor in HSI's Yuma office was disciplined. Psh, okay. It's difficult to exaggerate the extent to which the law enforcement community collectively turns a blind, a blind eye when its members engage in misconduct, said Clark Neely, a vice president for criminal justice at the Cato Institute, a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. Dominique Rose Sepowitz, a nationally recognized sex trafficking researcher in Arizona, said the outcome sent a bad message to both victims and traffickers, adding, we've done a disservice to the victims if we don't do cases right. This isn't, okay, and see that, that type of language, though, if we don't do cases right. This isn't just doing a case wrong. This is doing a case wrong 17 times in the same case, repeatedly. That's not a mistake. That's not a lapse of a judgment. That is an intentional, I want to go to this massage parlor to rape someone because I can and no one is going to stop me. Neither the people at my job nor the sex worker themselves. Just, I get to do this. I get to rape people at my job. This is what they're fucking doing. So, uh, it was a little after 1 p.m. on September 20th, 2018, when a group of six federal agents and local police detectives entered a lobby of a strip mall, a massage parlor in Lake Havasu City, a resort a destination on the Colorado River. Police search warrant, they yelled several times, getting no response. The details of what happened next are included in more than 2,100 pages of police reports, photos, and video. They love these investigations, as well as HSI and court records obtained by the Howard Howard, Howard Center for Investigative Journalism. The door was locked, so a detective kicked it in. In a, in a room to his left, he found a naked man lying face down on a massage table with a used condom by his side. A television monitor in an upper corner of the room showed footage from multiple security cameras, which had alerted the women who had been in the room to the officer's presence. After getting dressed, the man, 65, said it was his second visit in four months to the foot massage and spa. Both times, he said he'd paid between $60 and $80 for women working there to masturbate him. So, actual clients went there less than cops did, so just keep that in mind. 
Fanning out through the rest of the business, other investigators found the woman and a man she identified as her boyfriend in a back office. The woman, a 45-year-old Chinese national, told an HSI agent that she and her boyfriend arrived in Havasu two days earlier. She said they lived in Utah but often traveled to work in massage parlors, most recently in New Mexico, California, and Utah. At first, she denied performing sex acts at the spa, but when pressed, admitted she was masturbating the customer when police and agents arrived. In answer to questions to designed to reveal trafficking victims, the woman said she was not forced to work at the massage parlors and could come and go as she pleased. She said the day before, she worked a seven to eight hour shift, spent two nights at an apartment, and was planning to drive back to Utah the following day, and added neither she nor her family were under threat. As it often tends to go, a lot of these traffic victims aren't actually being trafficked. Police took her to the Haven Family Resource Center, a Havasu nonprofit that works with abuse victims for further interviews to see if she was a victim of human trafficking and forced labor. After she specifically said she wasn't, she could leave whenever she wanted. They're still like, nah, but maybe. Uh, details of those discussions weren't made public, but police later said uh, they were told the woman does not fit the criteria as a victim of trafficking. In coordinated raids, a second woman was picked up at a body spa, uh, another Havasu massage parlor. She too was brought to Haven, but her responses were different. She said she'd been brought to Havasu from Las Vegas uh, in a white car she described as having a, Mer a Mercedes-Benz symbol. For the previous three weeks, she'd worked in a massage parlor every day, on average 13 hours a day, sometimes longer. Most of the time, she did not leave the building and slept on a massage table at night. If she could afford it, she would rent a, a hotel room nearby to shower. There were some inconsistencies in her story, though. She first said her boss paid her by check, but then later said she was owed about $1,000. She denied performing sex acts, but later admitted to masturbating customers, uh, and a who asked because she would not make any money if she refused. She said her boss didn't know what was happening, and then later said that once he told her, once she told her boss about the sex acts, it got no reaction. The woman was deemed a trafficking victim, and Haven arranged a hotel room for her for the night. The other woman was charged with prostitution and spent the night in Lake Havasu City Jail. Sex trafficking experts say sex trafficking experts say it's difficult to determine who is and isn't a victim because the women are sometimes too scared to be truthful, especially when they're involved in police actions. Oh, weird, if only sex workers had been on the ball of telling people that in the first fucking place. Okay, now this is the part where I start skimming the article because I'm not even halfway through it yet, and it's really, really long. Alright, uh, let's see. A 2017 report from Polaris Project, fuck them niggas, said traffickers generally uh, rotate women through a network of parlors every two to six weeks and control them through uh, physical force, fraud, or coercion, such as holding their passports and money or seeding a fear of arrest and deportation. That's the thing. Traffickers don't need to uh, threaten them with arrest and deportation because police already fucking do that. Like, okay. As the raids were underway in Havasu, Bullhead City Police, 65 miles to the north, pulled over Amanda Yamuchi for uh, failing to signal a turn. The 47-year-old woman had been on the radar of local authorities for seven months uh, for suspicions of prostitution, sex trafficking, and money laundering. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so they ordered Yamuchi out of the car and handcuffed her. Um, you're, and an officer said, you're under arrest for prostitution. Uh, the sex trafficking investigation had begun in May 2016 after police got multiple citizen complaints that massage parlors were actually houses of prostitution. Detectives say they liked uh, Yamauchi to massage parlors after receiving a tip in February of 2018 from someone who used to work for her, claiming that she was misusing her business license. Okay. 
police say they witnessed Yamauchi a month before her arrest shuttling Asian women from the Las Vegas International Airport to Havasu. So they watched her for a month and didn't do shit. Okay. I mean, how many times do you, if this is allegedly the crime and she is allegedly trafficking people from the airport to the massage parlor, how many times do you need to see it done before you can arrest her? Is once honestly not enough? Hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. Do, do, do. Yamuchi is a U.S. citizen, told police she didn't run a business at the massage parlors and only rented them out to independent contractors. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, oh, then questioning shifted to uh, allegations of money laundering. Court records describe five occasions on which she deposited and withdrew more than $10,000 at a casino. Okay. Uh, when you're throwing $23,000 down at the Wynn Casino in Las Vegas, then you just pull $23,000 out like you're washing your money. That's called money laundering. At that point, Yamauchi asked for an attorney. Good for good for her. Um, <laughs> police said, but this is all in all a good example of when you see something, say something. Okay. Uh, it really went from public nuisance to people being rescued from forced servitude. Except police don't know where the, those victims are. Hmm. Okay. And then, of course, their operation uh, for this whole thing was called Operation Asian Touch. Excellent casual raise, uh, racism there. Uh, let's see. Mike Wozniak pressed play on one of the dozens of hours of HSI undercover audio from Operation Asian Touch. The veteran defense attorney who specializes in criminal law said he had heard such recordings before. I distinctly recall sitting in my office, it was late in the day, said Wozniak, who briefly represented one of the alleged traffickers charged. He said uh, he heard what I would have expected to hear, a conversation about services in exchange for money. But then he heard something else. Uh, Wozniak said they talked about a hand job, and I believe I was hearing one take place. And never the case I've had, the officer did not actually go through with the sexual act. Incredulous, uh, Wozniak said he called the lead prosecutor who confirmed what I believed I was hearing. It was pretty repugnant they were engaged in sexual acts with people that under their theory would have been victims of sex trafficking. During the investigation, two undercover agents uh, identified as Sergio and Arturo visited eight massage parlors in Havasu and Bullhead and paid women for sex acts, according to HSI records. The federal agents visited massage parlors on 18 occasions and on 17 visits paid for and engaged in sexual activity. And agents even noted in their reports signed by supervisors, the females may be victims of human trafficking. So yeah, why would anybody ever fucking report to police ever? Um, and then they even have on film them doing negotiations. Uh, a woman said a hand job would cost 60. How much for oral? The agent asked. Uh, she replied 124 oral sex. Uh, the agent said the agent said he didn't have enough money, so the woman lowered her price to 100. And then the agent asked her to take off her clothes. Yeah, uh, the woman countered again with a price of 120 for oral and nudity, and the deal was set. The woman put a condom on the agent and attempted to perform oral sex. Okay, he stopped her, but then pulled off the condom and told her to masturbate him instead. The female then placed oil on her hands, and after a few minutes, the female stopped and gave him a wet towel to clean himself. This is how they treat people who they think are victims of sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. He and the woman then later exchanged phone numbers. Really? So you think she's being raped and you're like, but give me your number so I can see you again. All right. Uh, it was absolutely moral problem, morally problematic. It takes a special officer to be on undercover stuff. It takes an even more special officer to be willing to break the law and have sex with a person you, you think is identified as a victim. That's fucking disgusting. 
Uh, let's see, I'm just scrolling to the bottom. This article is so long. Uh, ultimately, of the nine people charged, only three pleaded guilty, one to felony attempted pandering, one to misdemeanor prostitution, and one to solicitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose Sepowitz, who serves on the American Human Trafficking Council, called the case a terrible demonstration of behavior as a country, or just normal behavior, because they do this all the time. Uh, their job is to collect evidence and testify in court, she said, referring to HSI agents. They don't actually have any other function. Their job was to testify and close the case. They are not fulfilling their duties. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's what they're doing. Let me see. I'm just scrolling to the bottom to see if there's anything else important that I missed. Because this is like the longest article ever. Uh, let's see. Right. And then, of course, they're just trying to justify this under uh, like gray issues and legal liability issues of why it's OK for officers to do this because they need it to collect evidence, which I mean, isn't true. But even if hypothetically they were being honest, once would be enough. No. Why do you have to do it 17 times? You know. Yeah. So that is what is going on there. I just wanted to go over that. Um, I'm still I'm still scrolling and I'm still not at the bottom. This article is like the longest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to go over that to be like, oh, this is actually what police are doing. So when sex workers say we don't want to go to police, we don't trust police. When people who uh, are in situations where they would be considered traffic say we don't trust police, we don't want to go to police. This is exactly why. And so I just wanted to cover that and say this is what the fuck cops do. And uh, sex workers know this. People who have been trafficked know this. And, you know, they're really not on the side of people who actually need help. So, all right. Thank you for hanging out with me for that incredibly long article. Uh, hopefully this is um, informative, right? So folks are learning what police actually do, how police behave. Um, well, law enforcement, not just police, but all types of law enforcement behave and why sex workers are suspicious of law enforcement the way they are. It's not uh, paranoia. It's not, you know, something that was put in our heads. It's not something that was like propaganda. Uh, people who work with sex workers, sex worker activists, sex workers, people who've been trafficked, people who work with people who have been trafficked. It's you know, this is very common and we know this. So we just want to get these stories out there so folks realize where this distrust comes from. All right. Anyways, that is it for your Swapcast episode. Thank you for hanging out with me. We will be back soon with more news. doing a swap cast thank you for hanging out with me this is phoenix kalita we are just going to talk about some sex worker news sex worker rights issues uh i wanted to cover the remainder of this program will be on patreon early access for two days and then it drops to the socialized feed uh patreon.com slash wine cellar media fund for the early access all right have a good one